On this week's Insight in Marketing, I will be talking about strategy and planning, and in particular, planning frameworks. We'll talk about some of the different ones that are used, the benefits, the strengths, the weaknesses, and we'll talk about just how to get the most out of them and maybe how, when misused, they become more unhelpful than helpful. I'll be joined by Baiba Matazone, and we will talk about all things planning only on this week's Insight. The Inside Marketing Podcast. Brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions. So hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inside Marketing. As I said in the introduction, we're going to talk a lot about strategy and planning frameworks today. And I am delighted to be joined by Baiba Matizone. So good morning, Baiba. How are you doing today? How's life? How's things? Where are you in the world and how are you doing? Uh, hello, uh, good morning. Uh, it's my pleasure, first of all, to be here uh, and have this conversation. Uh, I am pretty fresh, I would say, even though last night I couldn't sleep well because outside was full moon. And I am in Berlin, in Germany. Uh, oh, if nice. you, as you said, as you ask, like, where are you located? Yeah, what's the weather like there? Is it nice? I mean, today is a traditional uh, gray, uh, Berlin's gray sky, uh, but uh, this week was pretty warm, uh, according to the last week. So I feel like the spring is coming closer. Very good. Very good. Right. Well, um, I you came highly recommended from somebody who's done the podcast before, Vivian Chambers from Bricolage. He he kind of put us on to you. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this one. And it might be because it's, it's kind of, it might be a bit of a strategy love-in because we're talking about frameworks. It's kind of something in my um, day-to-day job. So... Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to to get to getting into this one. Before we do get into this subject matter, um, can you just give me a little bit of background about you, what you do, um, how you ended up doing what you do, and what your area of expertise is? It's a good question. Uh, I'm in the communication field more than uh, a decade. I started as account manager in advertising, and then I uh, transitioned into the strategy nine years ago. This week, there were one journalist who was very um, who was very focused on numbers. So she went through my LinkedIn profile and she kind of counted down like how how exact how many years exactly I have worked in a strategy as a field. And uh, then she wrote down in her interview, she was like, "Okay, it's it's nine years." So right. I was like, "Wow." Time flies very fast uh, because I feel like it's only like I don't know three to four years, mm-hmm. uh, but it's actually nine. So right, um, right. So you're you're yeah. you're you're a black belt at this stage. Nine years is, is plenty of time. Um, so we're going to talk about planning models and and uh, planning frameworks. And most agencies, everybody has their own. We have some in Dentsu, and we've had loads of different ones. And 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 all agencies have their ones. You kind of have to have it. It's, it's an approach to how you plan. And they, you know, they're all slightly different, but they can be at, at their heart, largely similar, quite similar. Um, now you carried out, you've done quite a lot of research in terms of um, usage of planning frameworks and what people like amongst practitioners and, and strategy leads and strategy departments. Um, so first of all, what prompted you to carry out that research? Like what were you looking to find out? What did you want to know? First of all, uh, we wanted to know, uh, we, by saying we, I did the survey together with Razvan Matisal, who is a Romanian strategist, and uh, he is writing his PhD. So he kind of came to me and he started to talk about his PhD. I did the I did the interview with him and I was so curious about the topic that I was like, let's do a survey. I have a network. Uh, we can, you know, create a survey. Uh, I will, you know, promote the service so people could uh, fill in. I have like very focused uh, network on uh, on strategy around the strategy bubble, 
And he was like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And uh, I said, like, let's narrow down all those models and frameworks. Like, let's just focus on brand strategy and creative strategy, because as we know, there are also business strategy, cultural strategy, and innovation, mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. And um, our, like, my main idea to kind of uh, do this uh, research or do the survey was to just understand, like, like, what are some kind of most commonly used models and what are some models that stands, uh, that stands, um, alone or they are kind of created by the practitioners by them by themselves mm-hmm. and um, that's why we included also this question like if you have your own framework or your own way how you are like you know approaching the strategy can you please describe your steps or the ingredients that creates your model mm. and from there we we kind of concluded uh, what are some kind of like a um top five or top three models that uh practitioners are usually uh, using in their work. And we also divided those, our audience in um, in three groups. Like one group was uh, purely creative strategists who are not doing brand strategy. The second group was purely brand strategists who are not doing creative strategy. And the third one where we assume there will be the most uh, respondents falling in, it's a creative and brand strategist uh, is the one person who's doing uh, both jobs. The biggest kind of finding or my biggest kind of surprise was that there are so many strategists who are, you know, having these two hats mm-hmm. and they are using in, inappropriate frameworks uh, for their job. Like, for example, they are using creative strategy frameworks to build the brand or do the brand strategy. Okay. As one good example was um, um our very loved uh, Get Who to Buy uh, framework, which is very condensed brief form. And uh, there were so many answers that people are saying that, oh, we are using uh, Get Who to buy model to do a brand strategy, which in my mind is totally insane yeah, because yeah. How, can you, how, how can you apply this model for a brand strategy? And there were also very interesting findings about these um, practitioner m- models that they have created or made by themselves because there were also some kind of models where it's like uh, mentioned that we are using the the legendary 4C model together with the disruption model. And for me, it's like, okay, 4C model could be like a, like a blueprint, what kind of information you need to collect. And then you probably can apply based on that collected information disruption model. So yeah, there were uh, a lot of kind of interesting nuances where I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense or this is weird, but um, yeah, that's, yeah, that so- was just... So you found that there's 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 people using the 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 well established ones, but there's there's quite a lot of um, people kind of blending different things and using their own ones, right? And then you know, which which is fine because whatever. I mean, um, you you've you you know, this frameworks are they're brilliant. The framework is brilliant because it does it kind of helps frame how you approach things and and it makes sure that you look and um you know go and find the right things and ask the right questions and you you're knowledgeable in certain areas but what what have you and you mentioned some things there about maybe misuse of frameworks in in different disciplines but what as great as fr- planning frameworks are what what are kind of some of the the drawbacks that you see or that came out either from your own experience or from the research what are some of the potential drawbacks of of using frameworks uh, it's a very good question because then I need to talk about two separate disciplines. One is brand strategy and other is creative strategy. If we are talking about the brand strategy, we clearly know that there are um, some professors and practitioners who have 
written theory books like David Eyaker or uh, Kevin Lane Keller. And they have created a theory around brand management and brand building. And uh, based on their frameworks, kind of brand building was even created around, established around the world. And if we are, you know, looking back at these godfathers, then uh, we can see a lot of their work is in nowadays just corrupted, I would say. Right. Uh, because... People are using the same frameworks what they created, I don't know, 50 years yeah. ago in 80s, 70s. But in nowadays, we just want to like, we just want to update some elements to sound smarter mm -hmm. or cooler or whatever is the reason. Sometimes we skip some elements and sometimes we can't even explain why we kind of skip that element from the model. And in the end, people who know the theory, they don't see any sense uh, in that model that is created, uh, that is in the end presented to the uh, to the client or to the larger group of people, and I have created, I have collected through the time a lot of these models because I felt like, oh, that's so interesting to kind of collect them in one place. And I have this A to Z framework deck, and there's like a, a more than hundred frameworks starting from brand strategy right. until the trend hunting and and and, and the social media frameworks, and. Uh, when I show my, my my deck to one of um, to one very experienced uh, um, brand strategist, he was like, "This model doesn't make sense. This model doesn't make sense. Please take them out if you are like you know uh, showing this uh, presentation and selling this presentation to people who are learning and who are mm -hmm. trying to grasp grasp down, who are trying to understand how these models works." And then he said, "Like um, you know." Um, you need to focus on history. You need to focus that there is some sort of tradition behind these models and you need to start from there and not just collect like, oh, this looks interesting yeah. and something can be something new. Yeah. Going to the other side about the creative strategy, it's a little bit trickier because creative strategy models in 90s, there was like a big trend when every agency thought that they can sell uh, their work based on their own model. And this was something that you were, I think, refer yeah. referencing at the beginning of our conversation. And then so many agencies started to create their own some kind of ways how to do strategy. But then if we are like narrowing down all those frameworks, we can see so many frameworks have these three steps. It, they are just called in different names, mm. but uh, usually these three steps starts with situation analysis. Then it's about the visioning, the next step. And the last step is strategy, like how we will get from the moment where we are into this uh, next step where we want to be. And so many models can be described based on this linear planning kind of type. Mm -hmm. The other kind of uh, type of uh, or family of uh, frameworks uh, in creative strategy is uh, all these 3C, 4C, 2C, 5C yeah. models, which are basically having the same core, but then someone is taking something the way, away or adding something up like to create the model more complicated. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe uh, that 4C model, let's call it the, the C family, yeah. <laughs> the family, those models are more focused to collect the information and then based on that information to figure out where is some most interesting tension between um, two, C, two of these kind of quadrants or two of these Cs. And then you are like, you know, thinking about how to uh, how to write down the direction for the creatives. But uh, if you are going back to the other family where are these three steps, then the first kind of um, framework uh, uh, which had the similar 
three-step or even four-step uh, idea was a planning cycle by Stephen King. It's just, again, it has been corrupted to make mm. it more shorter, more, more to the point, but it still keeps the same kind of mm. questions. And the question that we are completely uh, lost through the time is the question, uh, are we getting there, which was in the mm. planning cycle of the measurement. Yeah. And in this use of three-step models, um, uh, we don't add this uh, question anymore. Yeah, so... Uh, and I, we, I say, we we have our own in, in Dentsu, and, and and every agency has their own one. Um, and generally speaking, now I know this is, it's, I, I am speaking generally, but a lot of the frameworks they, they can be quite rigid. Um, they're not, and they shouldn't be because they, there should be an element of you don't have to go end to end. I think some of them can be very clunky. Some of the ones we've had certainly have been quite clunky and, and overwhelming. I think for for people trying to learn their craft. Um, but a lot of them are. I find this when I pitch when I'm pitching as well. A lot of them are predominantly built for B to C uh, and private companies and for-profit companies, and and some some of them don't really flex that well in terms of you know, not-for-profits or government or um, you know B to B even. What's your what's your view on that? What do you think about that? Is that is that fair? Have you seen ones that work? And what what do you think? In our survey, we specifically asked the question, like, what are the frameworks that you are using on a daily basis or most commonly, do you have your own? And we also asked, like, what are some kind of uh, uh, advantages and disadvantages with the mm -hmm. models that we currently uh, we are having uh, or we are currently all using? And um, I think uh, one of the disadvantages was that all of these models are very focused, first of all, on kind of especially if we are talking about the creative strategy mm -hmm. on the uh, short-term thinking, how to quickly get some awareness and how to quickly get some uh, sales up for our clients. And we are not kind of having like a model for long-term thinking or model that would include the long-term thinking mm -hmm. because these theories about the long-term thinking or the long and short of it, they stays on the, on the client level or marketing level kind of strategy. And yeah. we, Creative strategy, we don't see how it actually applies in our work. And uh, and yes, and as a disadvantage, a lot of uh, respondents also mentioned that uh, most of these models are focused on B2, B2C uh, segment and they are not applicable to the B2B or uh, also some uh, new startups which have a very weird business models, mm -hmm. uh, very unique, let's call them like unique, not weird. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and uh, and yeah, and they and and uh, people uh, respondents basically said the, in the survey that we need new models, we need new ways how to think about um, strategy in general, both in brand strategy and also in creative strategy. And um, they said that the, most of the models in their minds, they feel that they are outdated because they are focused very much on TV. Uh, as a as a main channel, and in nowadays, I think we are more focusing on digital channels mm -hmm. as a main channel when we are planning uh, also uh, uh, when we are planning our uh, campaigns. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and you you touched on this a second ago, where you, you said some of these frameworks were developed, you know, maybe fifty years ago, and they, and they've been kind of reimagined or just reiterated and bits added on and 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 one of the things um now I spoke to Paul Feldwick before and and it's not about planning frameworks it's just more about brand pyramids and brand um wheels and keys and that kind of stuff but the, but the same applies here and he makes a point that and he used to train people on on these things he makes a point that the industry has deliberately made things 
overly complicated um, when it doesn't need to be. Um, and and I and I I I understand why because um, back in the day, in um, he'd say Bill Bill Burnback and 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 that type the agencies he worked in, they wanted to charge more money to clients so they needed to so the planning cycle and Dave Trot talked about this before the, the, the planner in an agency um, was a way to charge more money and to stop sucking the expensive time of the creative people you know so so, so it came from the, the need of the agency not the need of the client per se but what do you think? Do you think they have gotten very complicated right? Um, in the last couple of years? The iterations and reiterations have made things complicated. Do, do they need to be that complicated? Because we're going to talk, you mentioned the get to uh, get to buy um, how and later on, we'll talk about it in a minute, but why are they so complicated? And, and well, first of all, do you think they are unnecessarily complicated? And if so, why so? It's a very interesting question. Um, I will say this, that there are so many strategists uh, who don't believe in frameworks. And we will see on the LinkedIn that they are talking about that frameworks is a very uh, kind of, um, um, that you will not get like a good result if you will apply a framework to your thinking process or if mm-hmm. you will using it in your strategy. That's, I, I respect these people. In the beginning, when I was kind of trying, uh, when I started to research these topics, I was very against. I was like, oh my God, no frameworks. It's like, mm-hmm. especially for young people who are starting out in our discipline, it's a it's a, it's a, a good thing to have some frameworks in their pockets so they would understand the thinking process, the step-by-step process that we are, you know, taking and going through. But then through the time and by doing more research, I, I have kind of came to this conclusion that there will always be this kind of two Two different camps. One camp who is like uh, they are they they love frameworks. They use frameworks. They know that frameworks helps them to structure their thinking. That it, that, that frameworks helps to bring uh, not only the creative team but also the client team on the same page much faster. Yeah. But then there will be again these opponents who will say like you know we love the creativity and nothing good has ever came out like yeah from my work when I was applying or using frameworks and I do believe that. This is about, you know, diversity that we can't have like one way how to do things. Uh, I mean, about the complicated, I think there are some business models uh, that need some complicated models uh, to explain how their business works or how maybe even big companies are working, especially multinational and global ones. Uh, But then again, of course, um, there are so many people who maybe don't know the history about the advertising, haven't read Paul Feldwick's uh, fantastic mm. book, don't know that there is Kevin uh, Lane Keller and David yeah. Ayak and other guys, uh, and they are just creating things up based yeah. on their uh, personal understanding. And this is the problem with our discipline, that there is no common tradition yeah. uh, at least we want to kind of believe in that. And then on the other hand, there are some kind of theorists, the people who, who have wrote theories about yeah. our discipline. And, um, and and there is some sort of kind of like a backbone why we are yeah. doing things the way how we are doing. Mm-hmm. And even lately when I was reading um, during the Christmas holidays, um, um, David Ayaker book about how to, how to build a strong brand, which is I think from 90s, um, He's talking about so many steps uh, that you need to take to build the brand. If I take, if I would pick up the book from my bookshelf, which was written last year by someone, and it was called Brand Book, very simple blue book. It's all about positioning. And if I go back to to David Iacker, he has more steps than only pure positioning in the yeah. process to kind of 
publish and create the brands. And again, if we are going back to the brand strategy, we can see that we are narrowing things down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, because I, 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 I guess a framework is useful, particularly when you train people. Okay. But like they are a means to an end. If the end is great work or whatever, what comes out of that. So if the framework helps you get there, brilliant. If if you don't, if it restricts and it's too rigid and it, and it, but I think they're useful for training people for sure. Um, I read a paper that you wrote on um, like Springboard versus the creative brief. So for anybody who's not familiar with with what what those um, things are, could you just briefly explain what the difference is between both? Because they're, they're quite different in, in every way. Uh, yes, I was very surprised when I started uh, to work in uh, one agency here in Germany uh, that they called their briefing document springboard. And for me, at the beginning, it was like, what does it mean? Like, what kind of ingredients do I need to kind of incorporate? And then I thought for some time that the, only in this agency, people are calling uh, these inspirational documents as uh, springboards. But later on, I understood that uh, there are more people out there who are using the same term. And um, based on my curiosity, again, I created a survey where I started to collect information. So can you describe like what the uh, creative brief like what kind of elements creative traditional creative brief should need to uh, contain and what the springboard should need to contain and are you using uh, springboard in your daily on your daily basis and if so then in what kind of situations and uh, if you are using um, on the other hand maybe only purely creative brief so you know why are you still kind of using it and based on that survey, I came to the conclusion that Springboard is only like a more inspirational presentation about the brief. Like if the creative brief should need to be like a one pager or or two pager uh, as most um, uh, as a creative uh, inspirational, like a creative briefing document. And uh, then uh, Springboard is something that you are kind of, um, y- you keep the same kind of structure as in creative brief. You also need to describe the problem. You need to explain like what is the target audience? What is the insight about the target audience? But the, cre- but, but the Springboard is more like a, um, inspirational document where you also add some case studies, maybe some no-go areas what client has mentioned on a, on a briefing or debriefing session. Or uh, you can also include some frameworks or some other inspirational information that could help creatives uh, to get to some ideas faster. And here's a trick. So many people, again, find this springboard approach a very difficult, especially older creatives, because they believe that there are too much information where right. they could kind of find something interesting. So they lose the focus. Mm. The younger generation, I can say that they love springboards uh, very, very much because um, uh, when we are working on short deadlines and creative teams have multiple tasks or multiple projects on their table, when they receive the springboard, it's very uh, they receive this guidance, they receive the inspiration, and they don't need to walk around the internet and look for more yeah. case studies, look for more stuff about the particular project. And they feel that they can they can start to work on an ideation uh, mm-hmm. process. Of, um, a, a, a little bit faster. Mm. So there's like, you know, two generations. Like mm. one is like we stick with creative briefs and the younger is more like we stick with the springboards. And one, one more small thing, um, springboards are very um, useful if um, the creative agency and, and particular team is working on a one client for a longer time, a longer period of time. And then when there is like a new creative person that you need to speed up, like what we have done and uh, what is uh, what our client likes or doesn't like, then if you have the springboard, then you can, uh, you yeah. know, 
share the springboard and the person will uh, mm. read it through and understand like what's going on. Yes. And so, so it, at, I suppose the the main the big difference is is the brevity of a of the creator brief, which is a one or two pager, and the and the wealth of information, long form information, much more detail that goes in in the springboard. And I can again, I can see the, the 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 strengths and weaknesses of both. I think the danger with the maybe sometimes the danger with the creative brief is that if it's if it's uh, if the planner whoever has distilled the problem and and into that one pager they may have missed something that the creative person may may have found really useful but then you don't want to give too much information i i struggle with this even in terms of how we brief specialist teams internally within dentsu because you know some people want the full long and i go you don't need to read the 100 page brief that's gonna there's stuff that um so it's kind of my job to distill that and give them but then some people as you say some people want more information and and if it's not if if I give a one pager they feel that they have to go off and do some research themselves to get the bits that are missing so it's it's tricky it's a tricky one um, in terms of how much or how little you put in what's your preference by the way if you were if you had to pick either or is it in a binary world in which we live the one pager or the springboard what what do you think what is your preference you are cornering me a little bit. I know, bit. <laughs> it's binary. There's only You can only pick one and the, the other one's going in the bin forever. We can only have one approach. I would say that uh, I would uh, not pick either of them because I do believe the briefing process is the most important one. Like mm. when you sit down with your team, uh, not only creatives, I, I also love that accounts are in the room and we can have like organic conversation. Like, you know, this is what I have found so far. If if we want, if you want, I can, you know, mm-hmm. I can show you a presentation, my strategy findings and everything, but let's have a conversation and let's just, you know, listen to each other, what we all think about this. And then let's come together uh, with something that we feel proud or or mm. at least we feel that this is like a strong starting point. Okay, so um, so they're both going in the bin now. We have none now. We've thrown them both in the bin. Okay, that's a cheat, but I'll let you away with that one. Um, now, one of the ones that I'm sure a lot of people listening will be familiar with this one because it, it, it's beautiful in its simplicity, but we'll get into some of the dangers of that simplicity in a minute, but it, it's it's the get who to buy. Um, and we've used it a lot. I've seen it from clients. We've used it a lot. It's been part of frameworks that we've used. It's been a framework in itself. Um, so, this is not a new one. Uh, how, can you just tell me where did that originate from? And just for people listening, just some of the, the background of that, where it's Genesis. Last year, I was uh, challenged uh, by by one creative director in a good way. He was like, you know, can you use in your in your, in um, can you use as a brief form a get who to buy model? And I think he sent me not get who, but he sent me the shorter version get to buy. Yeah. And I was like, and he sent me an uh, inappropriate link and he was like, well, this is the author. And I was like, I know for the fact that this guy is not the author to that framework. And then I went publicly on LinkedIn and I asked openly, like, I'm looking and I'm in the search. Like, I want to, I want to, um, I want to get in touch with the real author who created Get Who to Buy Model. And of course, people started to share the history where they have uh, firstly I- interacted with this model. And uh, someone shared, I think he was like a CEO of BBDO New York or a global chain. Uh, this this person, he wrote down the name of the guy who who, who created uh, this model. And um, I tracked down the, the person, uh, the, the author, and we had an interview and he explained the story because that was the part that I was like, I don't know if I'm like advertising historian or I am mm. like a complete 
I don't know, big geek around the frameworks and stuff like that. But I feel uh, that this story needs to be told yeah. uh, and people need to hear like what really happened. Uh, why did you came up with this? And then um, he explained that he was uh, previously before he joined the BBDO uh, New York team, in 2004 or in, or in 2005, he couldn't remember uh, exact year. He worked in Ogilvy, and Ogilvy in 2000, in the beginning of 2000s or by the end of ni- 90s, <laughs> uh, they were um, they were focusing on this behavioral change in their briefs mm-hmm. or in their campaign. And he saw that they were very unique with their approach. And he, when he was invited to join the BBDO New York, and they had like this very, um, very strong creative chief creative officer. Um, this guy asked him to kind of, you know, create um, BBDO's uh, own brief format, and he wanted uh, the brief to be very tight. And um, Martin Straw, who is the real author of the BBDO. Um, get who to buy model. He said that he was working with researchers, ethnographers, other kind of uh, um, experts from different disciplines. And uh, he was like, you know, thinking how to craft this brief format so it would be unique. And then he remembered that uh, he had this experience with Ogilvy team. And then he said like, um, well, I incorporated that we need to know who is our target audience and what they are doing. And then the big big kind of insight or big thing is to kind of transform or change their behavior, mm. which is basically or think about it, get who to buy model. Mm-hmm. I have, re- I have, I, um, I have wrote an, uh, an interview. Uh, I have write, write, wrote an article based on that interview with uh, Martin Stroh. If everyone wants to read it, mm-hmm. it's on work. But um, going back to the point about get who to buy model, uh, the biggest problem is that people are crafting it. They are taking this who part away and they are now yeah. having this get to buy and it's yeah. even kind of more simpler. But the problem is that um, a lot of people skip the part where the insight needs to come in or where the insight even, like like even the moment that, that insight needs to be in this model. And then there are people who also... Um, they add a, a new elements to this model. It's like get to buy because or mm. get to buy. I don't yeah, know. There yeah. was a, another word that was added. And when I talked with Martin, who is the author, he said like, yeah, well, people want to kind of, you know, change things because they don't want to understand that this model is so simple. Yeah. Because it's very hard to fill it. It looks very simple, yeah. but he said, we to do a lot of preparation to kind of then sit down and really write those sharp lines and fill that form. Yeah. And uh, and just because he said people don't want to um, think and they don't want to think hard, they are just adding stuff up or taking things away. Which yeah. Is, you know. Yeah, because you because you're right because really interesting because because the it's the the nuance in it because you're thinking you said it there about but if you leave out the certain element of you and I and I, I the ones I've, I've seen a lot of get to buy and where the who's been gone and and there's a behavioral change not just a perception change that is kind of that is, is built into that so the the guy who made it um it, it, it's brief already and it was you know it was as brief as it could be and it, everything was in there was in there for a reason so I guess to kind of it's now it is wonderfully simple right but I, I guess it can be too simple if if you're not a skilled planner to a degree. If you don't, if you, so it's not so much. And you kind of said this in the article that I wrote. It does look really simple, and it almost looks too simple, right? But you make the point there. What it does is forces you to do a lot of hard thinking. So 
if you just can you just run through because I'm sure a lot of people have seen it or, or use it, but they probably don't really understand un- unpacking the different components of it. So when you when you look at the, the get who to buy, like if you were to use that properly, because I've seen some really bad ones. I won't and I won't say and a lot of clients who are no longer with us, but I've seen some just really really bad ones. Um, so how what are the type of things that you need to do to be able to populate that properly? Just from your experience, um, and also same following on from that, how how can you identify a bad brief when that's done? So what are the, what are the signals that, that you, you're seeing a bad one? What's involved in it? Well, the, with the bad one, you will not see the inside or you won't, you won't see this kind of new angle, how to look at the, at, at the, at the things or how to transform or shift this behavior. Uh, that's the most biggest problem, uh, mm. that there is something written down, like get these people who are doing, well, okay, who part is uh, is already missed or yeah. lost uh, in the development process. So it's like get these people uh, to do something by, and then yeah, there is yeah. some, some message that the key message that uh, needs to kind of uh, uh, influence or uh, um, pro- give some kind of promise to them that, you know, this will be the best way how to do things. And um, I would say that I, I I was just curious about this model when I was kind of challenged last year. I will be very honest that I haven't practiced or used this model very often in my work mm-hmm. um, because I know that even if I will start with the 4C model and collect all the information and then use this get who to buy, I can get it, it. It gets very, very tricky when you need to write it down in a very simple form. It, it for me, it's 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 very tricky because also when you write it down in a very kind of simple way, like you try to you try to explain your idea through these four elements. At least this this is what I have experienced in my tryouts to kind mm-hmm. of apply this model in my work. Is that I can see that if the creative person isn't that um, well-known with this model, they may misunderstood the intention yeah. that I'm trying to kind of get across the table or they start to kind of, I don't know, make some other things up because they just feel that, well, these four lines are too simple yeah. or, too, too sim- or they are very simplified uh, according yeah, yeah. to the information mm. well but that's my experience yeah yeah no i, I agree um, I've, I, I've had similar issues with it um myself so um let's talk about skills for a minute because i read a paper that you wrote which which was entitled undervalued skills and um and that was kind of looking at what strategists and department heads felt were the skills that they wanted to see you know more of from their teams or people coming into the industry so um what talk to me a little bit about that for a while and just you know give me some detail about that and and, and um what were the type of things or skills that they felt were really important? Thank you very much for the question. Yesterday, I was training uh, university students and junior strategists in uh, Vietnam, and uh, and there was a survey set up for them to ask me a question. And one of the questions was that popped out many, many times uh, between those 200 participants was that uh, how to stand out. Mm-hmm. Like and and that was the question, and then there was like, what kind of skills do I need to improve so I could stand out? And that was the core question when I started to do my my, my research because it was during the COVID time, and I was like, okay, when everybody will you know come back and COVID will kind of you know slow down and we will be all uh, we will be all vaccinated, we all will need to find this angle how to stand out in this competition, and that's why I started to do this research and. Um, and I divided uh, these skills as a soft skills and as a hard skills. And um, 
when you start to interview more and more people, you of course, you are looking for these patterns. And when you start to look at the patterns, then those things that are called as skills uh, to stand out, like if you will have these skills, then you will stand out. It starts to, when you see these patterns, then it starts to kind of look more the core skills that you need to have, like to just to be a planner. Mm-hmm. Like you need to know how to write uh, write your write your decks, or you need to be good with the words, or you need to know how to do research, and you need to have these research skills, and you need to have um, also um, skills to to be a good presenter, to convince and pursue people who are listening to your story. And uh, those were the hard skills that were mentioned, like mm-hmm. uh, in, in most commonly. And when I was started thinking, like, what are some kind of like a core general skills that strategists should need to have? Those are the skills that needs to needs to be in a strategist who would stand out. And then mm-hmm. I was like, are are we missing the core general skills? Like, mm-hmm. if heads of the uh, if people who are in position to hire young talent in the industry they mention these skills as skills that you need to have to stand out then um, my question was like are we missing these skills yeah. like are we not kind of what is going on uh like are we are we not understanding uh fully what the what the, what, the, what kind of work we need to do and um, going back to the point about the soft skills, uh, of course, it was a lot about the collaboration. It was a lot about the empathy that you need to show towards your team because we all know that we are working under a lot of pressure, uh, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, there are so many projects, so many uh, deadlines that you need to meet and you need to f- you need to understand with whom you are working together. You need to listen to these people and also figure out, like, what is your own personal strategy inside of your team? And um, uh, and I think the third uh, most commonly mentioned uh, soft skill was listening, was uh, collaboration, and then um, and the empathy. Yeah, mm, yeah. And the the soft skills are harder to teach, to train, right? So there, you, you can you can develop them. So empathy, right? Empathy is going to be a pretty hard one to to train into people because just people by definition, some people are just have more empathy than other people. I think for marketing and advertising, it's it's probably one of the most important things because you you have to. There is this danger, and I see it all the time. Agencies are, are kind of the industry, kind of in a bit of a bubble, um, and it, and it's not reflective. And you see it in ads, and you see it and you see it in the ads that go out in the world. It, it it's not always reflective of people in the real world. And that's a dangerous thing. So if you don't understand, if, like it's a, the most important skill if you're in marketing is to not fall into the, the the personal biases that you have yourself, right? So you have to be empathetic. Um, but can you train some of those skills or, or can you at least be conscious of them? Is there things you can do on the softer ones? Do you think there's things people can do um, on those soft skills or, or do we do enough? Do we think we, we're, we're looking for those with people when we hire or can we see people have a blind spot, but there's things they can do to develop and hone those skills. Can they be improved easily or at all? I think this will be, uh, this will depend on the person who is in the hiring position because we still, we love to hire people that uh, still match with our personality. That's our conscious, some kind of instinct when we are uh, forming our teams. And I think, and this was just my researcher question Mm -hmm. when I was listening to, uh, I was listening to people who were answering these questions in my interviews that I was thinking maybe if I'm a young talent and I am joining the industry for the first time, maybe it's pushed 
kind of in, in a way uh, on me that I need to feel empathetic towards others, uh, that I need to listen to them because I'm starting from a bottom to, to kind of raise up, that I need to be more like a fit-in person than like a stand-out person mm. who is, you know, trying to really go after my own goals, but mm-hmm. to be more like a team player. Maybe that's like a kind of like a way how to look at this. That was my personal yeah. kind of impression. I couldn't kind of prove that by yeah. data, but it just made me, this, it, it just created this feeling uh, in me after those conversations. But going back to your question, like, can we learn or can we teach these uh, skills? I think every team uh, is very unique. And if you have like a team leader uh, who is focused on collaboration versus competition, then probably you will be, you know, guided in the direction how to better collaborate with other team members. If you are in a team where everybody is like competing Mm -hmm. towards each other, then, you know, you are there alone and you are lonely wolf who needs to win your own battles. And that's why that's why I'm very against the competition uh, mentality yeah, yeah, yeah. because I do believe that only when we all succeed together, we can also, we can then bring a good work uh, to our clients mm. and to the outside world. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting point. Um, and not, not soft skills, but one of the things I think is, is somewhat sometimes missing amongst people is, is, is a harder skill, like business understanding, right? The understanding of how business works. Right. And, I think sometimes we can get, again, maybe the, the industry that we're in and it's become somewhat of a bubble sometimes where we're hung up on strategy and creativity and, and advertising. And, and sometimes we, we, we lose sight of, or, or we may not be even aware, we want to be skilled enough in, in business. Like how important is it for strategists and creative to understand business and, and and that is something that can be learned. But do you think we have enough of that? Can, can, what can people do to develop those business understanding skills? Because I think they can be missing sometimes. And it is it is a means to an end. Advertising is a way to drive business performance. So we can't we can't be, you know, business blind. It has to be baked into what we do. But I don't think it is enough. Like people haven't got that business acumen. Um, so do you agree with that? And, you know, what can people do if they're listening and they're in a strategy role to kind of make sure that they upscale in that area what what where could they where could they look this is a very good question also yes thanks i'm getting loads of good questions in today you're telling me all my questions are great thanks (laughs) (laughs) no i mean like i I love i love this conversation just to be honest because um even yesterday uh, uh my 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 students were asking the same question like do i need the business mindset and i wrote on one slide like yes Mm. Um, I'm very lucky um, because my both parents are uh, business owners. So I'm the only child. And since I was a kid, I was, we have a country house, which is like hundred kilometers from the city where we were living. Mm. So every weekend we were driving to our country house to spend two days near to the sea. And they were talking constantly while, while my father was driving the car about their businesses, mm. uh, about the business and how to, how to create a better conversation and better collaboration with yeah. our uh, consumers, how to, how to take their feedback, um, how to incorporate their feedback in our work and, you know, which people's uh, feedback to um, take into the consideration and which not. And they were talking about so many things. And I felt during the time that this is something that I, as a kid, I thought it's very boring, but 
I was there and I was like kind of listening and observing all these things. So I would say like, it's naturally inside of me. My father, um, don't believe that you can learn like, um, business in a, yeah. in a university. He was the one who said like, there are so many people who go to the university, they take these uh, degrees and, uh, in, in a business management or MBAs. And then he was like, most of the time they fail in their business because they are trying to do it. Mm. A lot, they are trying to align with theory and things like that. Yeah. And then he said, the best business owners are people who are naturally just curious and they just want to, you know, make money. And then just, they just try to understand how to make things happen. If we are going back to the topic about the strategists, yes, I do believe the strategist needs to understand how to do a business, how mm-hmm. to do a business. You, you need to you need to do one and you need yeah. to fail and you need to understand like that awareness in, is not the same thing as loyalty or or, or, or or amount of purchases. And it's very easy to create awareness around your business or around your product or uh, around something that you are doing, because sometimes it can be also an event, for example. Um, and, and, and just by doing, and just by learning from your experience, then you can go and apply that knowledge also in your work and help your clients. And I have seen so many times the opposite situation because I'm doing these strategy finds here in Berlin, which is a community event. And there are so many strategists who have came to the event and they shared their open, they shared openly their stories and they have said like, Oh, I created such a fantastic brand. Yeah. Uh, well, my, me and my partner decided to do a business and I was the one who created such a fantastic brand. I did everything where uh, like I incorporated all the ideas that I ever wanted to incorporate in the brand. So to make like, you know, like the brand uh, that I love the most. Yeah. And then the other side of the coin is like, that was the only thing where we were focusing on, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not on the business model, not on how to yeah. make money. Yeah. And we failed. Mm. And uh, there are other stories who are very similar, which is like, okay, let's do a restaurant business. Let's jump into the restaurant business. Let's, you know, do some st- do some stuff around the uh, around the around the um, uh, eatery segment. And um, and then they also fail because mm. they are not they, they see things from the outside. But if you want to do a business, I think you need to start slow. Mm. You need to really be open-minded and learn step-by-step step, mm. like how, how the audience uh, sees you, how the audience uh, interacts with you and uh, what audience yeah. really wants. Yeah. And then there's another problem is that sometimes, and I think nowadays there are too much focus on the audience, like how we will almost follow the audience, especially for, for small and middle-sized businesses. But, um, there also needs to be some kind of independence. Like, you know, I'm creating some also innovation or some stuff that you don't know or some product that is unique. I need to align with you. But on the other hand, I also need to show you that mm. there is like a new way how to look at the things. Mm. So it yeah. depends. Yeah, but I think it's, yeah, I think like you you have to understand how business works, not just how advertising works, right? So if anything's going to work, of course. Um was another one that comes up because it, it's interesting because I, I I've seen this internally um, salesmanship the ability to sell did that come up as being an important skill that was somewhat missing or lacking um, because I've seen this before we got a great idea is a useless idea if you can't sell it and and like sometimes I think. Um, selling is a dirty word, right? It's seen as, oh, I'm not in sales. Like ultimately everybody in 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 this agency is in sales to some degree, right? So we, we sell a service to a client. Um, we would like to sell more things. Not everybody buys everything 
that we have to sell. And we would love to increase our basket of good sales to clients. But I was amazed sometimes, and it happens, we do a little temperature check every now and then and, and ask people what they what they work in. And nobody seems to think they work in sales, right? But we're all in sales. So is it, because we think of like, use car salesmen and sales as a kind of a, a a dirty thing. But was salesmanship or the ability to sell an important skill that, that is missing, do you think? Um, did that come up at all? Or was that kind of in storytelling and um, framing your story? Well, it's slightly different, but what, what do you think about selling? I think we always need to understand or remember that um, agency is a business. It's a, it's a B2B business. You sell your services to your clients and uh, and that's how the agency earns the money. And you are an employee of uh, agency which do business. And I think salesmanship or 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 this kind of like a hard skill to to have um, a knowledge or instinct how to how to sell things uh, is sometimes also called as persuasion mm. <laughs> that we just need to pursue the client yeah, yeah. that they need to align with our idea or go hand to hand with what we are offering. And um, and I don't think that it's uh, something wrong. I do think that uh, what what's the point? Like uh, in the end, if we can't if we can't pursue, let's call it like yeah. that, our clients to kind of uh, to 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 buy our ideas yeah. and to pay about our working hours, then why are we there? We can't say that you know we are creating creative ideas and creative magic and we don't care about you know how much our clients actually pay to the agency mm. because that is important yeah but because it is a skill in itself but like i'm even thinking out loud here like there's no we don't have like sales training right in a way and and plenty of companies do because it's super important if you're not selling anything if you're if you're any of our clients and you're not selling anything you're not in business right and but we we it's not a it's not a big element of the training or or i would say even the skills that we look for in people like are you good in sales and and it's it's super important maybe not everybody and not everybody's going to be good in sales but you see really good sales people um particularly on on my side we deal with the media owners the good sales people are worth their weight in gold and maybe it's a discipline or a skill that we should kind of maybe either train or look for a little bit harder when we're hiring i think it's probably not it's probably not looked for enough would you would you agree in in strategy? I think at the core, it's about convincing other people to you know do uh, what you are offering them to do or buy what you are offering them, mm. and it goes back to Dale Carnegie, like how to make friends, yeah. uh, how to influence people and make friends yeah. or something like that's that. Yeah, how, it, yeah, how to win friends, influence people. Yeah, yeah. But that's the core, I would say, uh, book about selling. Yeah. Like you know how to how to make uh, how to make connection, how yeah. to how to quickly get close to people and then pursue them. Mm. Like you know, let's, mm. let's do things in my way, or yeah. I am offering you the best. Like yeah. you know, you just need to grab it. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose the real scale is the ability to sell without overtly somebody feeling like they're being hard sold to that's I guess the, and that's the skill there in Liza's skill um, okay I'm not going to keep you too much longer so but before we go if anyone is listening and they're interested they want to read up a bit more they want to connect with you or they they just I don't know want to chat to you about maybe working together or anything where can people find out any of the things that you or find any of the stuff that you've written and how can they get in touch with you if they if they want to do so well, this is the hardest topic because I don't have a website. You can only reach out to me on LinkedIn and okay, then my LinkedIn, LinkedIn is fine. 
yeah. is connected with my blog and, and and the Instagram account, which is focused on training. Um, so yeah, LinkedIn is the core. So LinkedIn platform. is your preference. Okay, grand. So I, I we'll put that in, in the article. Okay, well, yeah, I, that flew by. I, I really enjoyed that. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, and I wish you all the best and good luck with all the training. And, and uh, I commend you on your your commitment to your craft and, um, you know, and keep up the good work. So uh, have a great weekend and thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for inviting me uh, today to have this conversation. It was my pleasure to be here and uh, yeah, uh, a bunch of good questions as you already yes. said. Yeah. Well, you. you know, I put the work in, you know, it's, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out. So if I don't do good questions, I don't have a good podcast. So, but, but thanks a million. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. So yeah, um, thanks for joining me and thanks as always to Care in Marketing and Andrea and Sound and thank you to our wonderful partners in Irish Times Media Solutions who make all of this possible. If you liked that episode, why not tell your friends, share it and why not listen back to some of our ever-growing, evergreen back catalogue of great content. You will find them by simply typing Irish Times Inside Marketing into your search engine of choice. So... If you don't know, now you know. The briefing process needs to be simple. You've got to be empathetic and upskill yourself on sales. So thanks for listening. Until next time, bye. The Inside Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Dentsu and Irish Times Media Solutions.